0: welcome back to blackout couch reviews i'm your host christina we are back and today is the day it's friday friday gotta get down on friday i have been waiting for this day since last sunday (laughs) um but that's not why we're here we're here to talk about for all mankind season one episode two He Built the Saturn V, written by Matt Wolpert and Ben Nadidi, directed by Seth Gordon. I gave this episode a 9.2 out of 10. Really enjoyed it. I like getting to know the characters a lot better. Some of the uh, side tension, I liked it. And then the way they ended this episode was superb. I, as a woman not even in 1969 and 2021 felt some kind of way and uh, that it was in the face of America. <laughs> it was always last to do everything. Like everyone else banned slavery. They're like, ah, let's give it another 100, 200 years. Also some really nice controversy here and uh, some realism. A Nazi working for the government? Hold my purse. Let's start in 1955, Werner Von Braun, real person being portrayed who introduced the Americans to how a rocket ship can go to the moon. Love the transitional shot of showing him as he's being portrayed in the show. They are watching the moments afterwards with Apollo 11 contemplating the topic of fuel because Gene is concerned that it won't be enough to rendezvous with Columbia, Werner assures Gene it's going to be all right. Now I felt this was intense because either Werner was exceedingly too confident or... They were going to die, and I did not want Neil Armstrong to die. (laughs) When the ego had wings, I finally took a breath. Two months later, Ed is restless. When he runs into Deke and Von Braun the next day at work, one ghosts him while the other, Deke, breaks it to him that he isn't going up anytime soon or like ever as long as Von Braun is director. And don't even look at me like I should feel bad for you because you made your bed and now you must sleep in it. How could this happen to me? i made my mistakes. Got nowhere to run. The night goes on as I'm fading away. I'm sick of this life. I just want to scream. In his office, he lets his emotions flow out at the idea of being behind a desk for the rest of his life with that pencil sharpener. I adore the ones that were automatic. Remember, you had to like do all the work yourself and then the automatic ones came out and I was like, oh, it's changed my life. It was a gift. Gen Z's don't know how good you got it. You don't even have to fucking use a pencil. Just type on a keyboard. But y'all gonna get Carver Tunnel a lot quicker. And considering what I do all day yeah you're gonna also develop some rotator cuff injury so look forward to that stock up on some Bengay. but uh, it's too much to bear for poor Ed and he punches the wall the wall was very much offended only it's only game why do you have to be mad there were some really great analogy shots like of him staring up and seeing the leak in the roof and it's kind of like the leak at Apollo or at NASA at the current moment you know everything is getting out you got the CIA working with the government and they're kind of letting everything like everything is just kind of turning into a thunderstorm and they have to weather it we find out before apollo 11 but that li- happens later on Deke, von braun and the cia discuss blueprints from the kremlin that they have obtained of the russians already building or planning to build a military base on luna oh, Lord. see because colonials took over america they were outnumbered So, through the generations, they just got really fucking paranoid that at any moment they could have an uprising from the people and lose absolutely everything. And this is why America is constantly on edge. (laughs) Why the government is. And thus, it's this type of forward thinking. If they're doing it, we gotta do it too that inspired things like the atom bomb. Van Braun just ain't about throwing precaution aside. Thomas tells him it's no longer about the race for the moon, but the race for the base. Dick is rather indifferent as, look, more money, more astronauts for the program. Sounds like a win-win to me. Sure, we'll have to push the 11th mission up. No big deal. Von Braun is still vehemently opposed, and we know how Nixon handles problems. I'm gonna get that son of a bitch. Von Braun is like, look, I've seen my designs being militarized before, referring to the V2. He also created the V5. And it's opposed to a battlefield in space because when it boils down to it, it's gonna be a lot more uh, expanse than Star Trek. Except China's going to be in it somewhere. He does not want his work defiled by men with guns. But this isn't Germany. It's America. We get what we want. When we want it. Or we make you disappear. Figuratively or literally. Nixon wants the crop bastard gone. Despite his untouchable status. And intends to get creative. Man these tapes are just so hysterical every time because (laughs) it really does sound like nixon von braun reconsiders or is considering retiring to alabama discussing it with Margot, who is going for a promotional position in the pit he tells her she cares too much about what other people think Ed meets with an old commander pursuing going back to the navy where he will have his own wing squad seen as a proper catch karen takes the news with i can't and he looks at her like i think he will on the tv the congressional hearings are still underway gordo is in coco beach florida cheating on his wife and drinking excessively while she's at home with the chitlins Margo interviews with Jean regarding the position in the trench. I think I called it the pit before. Von Braun is the reason she became an engineer. Turns out she's known him like all of her life because her father was great friends with him. She tries to people please versus be herself with Jean, but he rather sees through it. Alita's father works janitorial duty at NASA and we see him return home to being threatened with eviction from his sister, I'm guessing. If he doesn't get Alita under control, who is struggling to adjust after the death of her mother, shutting her father out, and setting things on fire. She asked to be left alone, but he doesn't allow it. And I like that moment. I love the father-daughter moments in this episode. Tracy, because she heard that toilet flushing, is throwing Gordo's things out on the lawn. Karen is sent to politic the situation. My thing is, if you know you are in a political marriage, like if that is how you even refer to your marriage in any fashion, then you also should expect and do the same. Like, why be mad? Because you wouldn't be mad if you was doing it too. Just saying. Karen over drinks, convinces her of the enormity of actually getting a divorce, not to mention how would you support yourself and two kids? At that moment, I contemplated, when was child support invented or first created? 1975? What the fuck? What the fuck? You were basically forced to stay in your marriage. Because otherwise he could just say I'm not paying for those children? Are you kidding me? Von Braun congratulates Margot on being the first woman in mission control and gifts her with a 20-year-old sentiment. I'm sorry, I'm still back on this freaking um birth control or not birth control. Child support thing men are trash (laughs) like we're gonna suppress your right to vote until we can't put it off and then we're gonna make sure that we can get away with bloody murder because we know it's gonna be harder once we knock you up for you to walk away from our foolishness as she replies he don't even try to hide it and then he comes home and plays the perfect husband which is almost worse Anyhow, um, back to Margo. She joins the floor, but then is dragged for the obvious patricide, talking about, did you help? No, it was all you. Okay. (laughs) But one of the guys is like, oh, everyone gets punked, but yours is because of patricide. Gordo announces that he is back home by flying over his home, or house, (laughs) but Tracy is still pissed but pretends to welcome him I would have been cooking grits I'm not saying black marriages don't have the same social uh, societal bullshits but black women are more prone to cooking hot grits and waiting calmly smoking a blunt with a shotgun we tired of playing with your ass nigga today your ass is gonna die bitch say goodnight motherfucker I think more black women too probably weren't so prideful to take welfare whereas that in this type of bougie upper middle class society uh, maybe even not upper middle class really but they're, well, they're rather well-known names so yeah they, they've got more than a little appeal to them like cameras will show up at their door if they get a divorce or something to that effect so yeah upper society upper class So I could see them being a little bit more less uh, or more mindful of that. But Tracy at the end feels like she don't give a fuck anymore. Karen was kind of the worst at this barbecue applauding his attributes versus his flaws. So he really loves his children. Who's going to come for you? Because you're going to need it at some point. She is the hostess. And very much pitied for her loss of status being blackballed (laughs) from the moon. While Tracy's marriage is admired, though it's bullshit. Ed is summoned over by Neil. I wonder if the real Neil Armstrong had to go through customs. And that's just something they put out there. Like, how ridiculous is that? They have some words about his choice to land versus abort, which everyone is hailing as a victory. But for Neil, it was a pretty pretty touch and go decision that would have his name going down in history if it failed. Make the call and hope you're not wrong. CIA has brought in Congress to get Ed. What was his name, Sandman? (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm thinking about sandbagging Werner. Because that's exactly what they want him to do and testify. Seen as he's military and understands the need and the push for this base on luna they validate his opinions about nasa being too cautious and needs to have a little bit more balls and want him to assert that exact opinion throwing von braun under the bus him and the wifey discuss it later on i did figure though after talking with neo he couldn't do it even if he summoned and made to really go before Congress and testify, he realizes he could have been the first to land, true. And yes, Von Braun made the call on the ground, but he was the one with the choice in that moment. As we see in the flashback, the fact that he is quite the risk taker, as he was explaining before, is a good um, bit of background to his character. Like I'm a test pilot, I take risks, I don't necessarily need to follow all the rules. We just do what needs to be done. But he decided against the risks, Um, Because he, it really wasn't a, a risk he was willing to make in that moment. He falls on his sword for the commission. Which was not what Sandman wanted at all. Gordo comes to the tavern like, uh, You didn't even think to have a conversation since I was up there too. You kind of threw me under the bus with you um i'm already kind of being benched because of you and your remarks and you just just went up there in front of the whole world and threw through us threw us out there but uh in uh, ed's mind you're a cheat and an asshole so i didn't deserve to have that conversation i don't know about that though if you really are his friend You keep, you just dance around. You smell like pussy. and Like you're telling him, no, be a man. Be like, look, you fucked up with your wife. Your wife knows that you fucking cheated. Yes, your marriage and whatever, but everybody fucking knows. Right? She took all your shit and put it on the furniture or put it on the lawn. And people took photos. (laughs) So you need to stop walking around like your life is perfect. And it's not own up to your shit because that's what i did and i also resigned and going back to the navy on the tv the commission is questioning von braun about the next steps in nasa which doesn't include a moon military base and he gives a resounding speech on the beauty of space exploration and then the bomb drops he was part of the ss nazi party To me, this is the dirtiest type of politicking because whatever he did or knew or whatever the case may be, America thought you was good enough to employ, to utilize for our purposes, but the minute you do not do as you're told or what we say, then you're no longer useful to us and now we can expose something that you were prepared to overlook to work to to get your work to get what you can do to benefit us and of course that's not the story it's never the story it was he was near the camps thus he had to know which he admits to Margot was irrelevant if he did because then his life work was going to be worth nothing because he'd be dead and i would say it's rather easy to blame someone in hindsight when morality is in the mind and you're not in that moment sometimes preserving one's life people act like it's always the easiest choice he might have been suspicious he might have had his worst suspicions but he never acknowledged them to the point where he would then be forced to address that moral dilemma does that make him an evil person I guess you have to be the judge of that on your own Richter scale. I don't think that makes you an evil person because if you're weighing the scales, then what did you accomplish? You know, how many other Germans were just going about their lives and didn't know or maybe suspected or couldn't do anything about it if they did suspect, decided to preserve their own mortality? Once again, that's not, I don't think that those are sometimes questions you can answer for people until you are there in that moment. Because once again, morality is in the mind, which is why when you see all these movies and films, society breaks down and everyone turns into fucking crazy people because it's easy to be civilized when there's a civilization while i did get her upset i would also be hearing what he's saying which it seems as if she did alita is going through a rough time continuing to set things on fire and admits to her dad she wants to be in the fire but doesn't know why poor thing he takes her to a replica of a rocket ship and she admits she misses her mom but she's finally able to talk to her dad And he tells her that she can one day build a fire inside one of the rockets. And it is something that mom had a lasting memory with her about. So nostalgic. I'm sure we're going to see a lot more of this character. Apollo 12 is happening. September 1969. I didn't catch the exact date. So the Vietnam War does seem to be changing as Nixon announces talks of peace as the mission launches. This has become another war and it reminds me of Naomi's speech in The Expanse to Holden when she says we can't stop fighting war after war after war. Margot has kept uh, Von Braun's memento just as the man has been removed, removed from existing at NASA. Every history is cultivated for the victors but since I live in America everyone here acts like hateration from other places in the universe <laughs> come out of the sky like it's high school and they're just you know i don't understand they hate us because they ain't us maybe it's because we can bully and sometimes rub people's face in the shit like most superpowers tend to do Dig rolls up i'm not saying it's right i'm saying don't act like we're on a fucking pedestal. Dick grows up in that ridiculous looking contraption. Seriously, what is up with these cars? How is your balls not up your anus canal and your dick not inside your belly hole? He offers Ed his seat back on Apollo 15 and welcomes him back to NASA as presidents come and go and he needs guys like him. Russia gets to the moon first, right as Apollo 12 is on the way just to show off how more forward thinking they are by landing the first woman to the dismay of man and Karens everywhere. Whereas Tracy feels empowered. to see what tracy does great episode we have feedback from our friend andy let's take a
1: listen hello there uh i just thought i'd drop a little bit of feedback in uh since you're covering for all mankind which as i have said before on the great day one of the best science fiction shows to come out in the last well, decade or so Uh I just wanted to qualify uh, something I said to you before when I said it was the most tense uh, hour of TV I'd ever seen. Uh, and, I, and I think this applies... Well, f- firstly, I can understand why if you're told that going in, it probably is going to come across as a bit anticlimactical because you know, if someone tells you something's going to be tense or amazing, you go in with a certain level of expectation. I went into this with no expectation, so I was pleasantly surprised. So sorry for ruining that for you. Um, but I'm a huge uh, space geek nerd. Um, I, I love you know all things science fiction and, and things like that but especially you know the Apollo era NASA hardware spaceflight, everything like that you know I've absorbed just about every film about the Apollo program you can imagine you know, Apollo 13 is one of my favorite films of all time and uh, you know, you know when you have that first episode and you have the scenes where Apollo 11 is about to land and you know they're kind of dropping down you know if, if you look at films like, uh, Apollo 11, or uh, First Man, the one with Ryan Gosling, you know how the story is going to end, and they're trying to install a sense of tension and this sense that, you know, are they going to make it? Oh, it's, it's by the seat of the pants. over oh, over, there's a master alarm, are they going to make it? Well, of course they're going to make it, we know they make it, because they made it. Whereas in For All Mankind, you know, through the lens of the alternate history, you don't know if they will make it, and when they lose the signal in that way that they do, and you know they're trying to reach them and you know there's no response and then you know you have that moment with uh, Mike Collins saying well I'm not coming back you know we made an agreement beforehand I'm just going to stay here and I had no idea where the story was going to go and then you you have the discovery of it no actually they did make it they landed slightly wonky landing but they landed on the moon that was incredibly tense for me because I just didn't know what was going to happen there was a world of possibilities there so that's largely why I found that first episode to be very tense, but I, I will say you are in for a treat with this show. On the whole, it, it's some of the best writing, some of the best acting, and and really some of the best science fiction on TV right now. And because it's alternate history, you can't rely on any of your expectations or preconceptions about how things will turn out. But yes, it's a fantastically diverse uh, cast of characters, really really well written, and I'm sure you're going to love it. And there's plenty more amazing music you know to come throughout the show so anyway uh, that, that, that's it for me uh, I just wanted to say I, I do enjoy uh, listening to your podcast I don't listen to every episode because I don't get to see all the shows that you cover seriously how do you find the time <laughs> but uh, you know do keep up the fantastic work uh, I will drop in and out of For All Mankind as you do so and I look forward to hearing from you when we get back into The Expanse season 6 coming soon but until then
0: to Thank you, Andy, for your feedback. I was pleasantly surprised to hear from you. And yes, I did go looking for For All Mankind. And I saw you did the first two seasons in one podcast. I was like, no. But I thought we were going to watch it together. (laughs) But uh, I'm happy you're joining me uh, occasionally on this journey. I agree about misconceptions about the alternate history because yeah i was very worried about neil that really dawned on me in this episode like wait they could kill him and i i would not be okay with that um i will say you are a huge space geek and nerd because i just listened to your star trek podcast you recently released on great look like, and you know i like star trek i was intrigued mildly overwhelmed on all the referencing and intense space discussion with you and your guest it's like oh okay i thought i thought i was a space nerd i, I am not nope Mm-mm. not even close i too do not understand how i compartmentalize my time while still maintaining eight hours of sleep i do work from home so i have time and i work i don't work in a call center like i work i'm an underwriter for insurance so even trying to explain my job sometimes (laughs) it's a lot of lost jargon my daughter i'll be talking to her and she's like yeah i'm just gonna pretend i understand what that that means i don't know but yeah i do have some time and i still can watch seven ages of britain i'm in the fourth hour this week and still manage to do other things so i'm just a busybody i have a lot of energy but if you want to send feedback on the next episode like andy blackoutcatch at gmail.com you can send it in a written or audio format my social media will be below remember to like share subscribe if you have time run over to itunes rate the podcast leave a review until next time peace hair grease and blackout magic